welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm the other host, Charles Sheeland. And today we're reading the sixth of seven books from the Children of the Lamb series by P.B. Care. So after this week, just one more, and then we've finished another series. And if you've been paying attention, that means our next series is coming up, and we will be announcing that at the end of the episode. And for anyone who's new to the show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends, and we read and reread young adult books from our adolescence and share them with each other. Charles suggested this series and has read these books a couple of times, and I'm reading it for the first time. So... I did somewhat remember this one. Like, I remember the town of Dumby, the unlucky town. I remember that they go to Shangri-La. And I did actually remember the ending. So maybe like 50%. And I remembered I didn't like the ending. And, well, I still feel that way. But maybe you can convince me otherwise. We'll see. Um, So, you know, I remembered a good portion of this book. And since I'm the newbie, I'm going to go ahead and give us a quick plot summary. So just diving right in. The twins are tasked with finding people who are really worthy of three wishes. And Nimrod is approached by a British spy who thinks there is a plot afoot to change the world's luck. It's a little complicated, but the Ifrit are trying to make everything bad happen so that secret fakirs. Is that how you say it? Yes come out of hiding to help humanity with powerful information and then steal the info for themselves and yeah so just very random and with with this they all travel different places but eventually converge all together on tibet where shangri-la actually exists and they discover its secrets and at the end in Shangri-La, they're able to, or no, at the end, Shangri-La is able to help them by turning back time. So the things that have actually happened throughout this entire book, since they were given the quest at the very beginning, are all undone. So we're basically getting a story where they went through all of these adventures, and then at the end, they go back in time, so nothing actually happened. So... As far as my impression, this is definitely not what I was expecting, especially for the second to last book in the series. Personally, it just feels like a little random. Like, I definitely didn't hate it. Like, I didn't, I think Charles, honestly, I think is has more of an issue with it than I do. But I don't know. It just, it just feels random is I guess what it says. Like, I don't really understand what the, what it's serving for the series. So, so at this point, I'm just really interested what the last book's going to be about. Yeah. I I kind of, yeah, I don't like the ending. I don't like that the book undoes itself. I just, I think that I don't like, I don't like the whole thing gets forgotten, mostly because they never get the closure on Mr. Rakshasas then. Like, they get closure on him in this book, and then it gets forgotten about. And to me, I'm like, that kind of stinks. And also, I I think... I feel like this, I feel like the plots are getting less specific. And because they're less specific, or like less, they feel less thought out. They feel like a lot of random events that are not that correlated. And it just feels like the plot doesn't, I don't know, I I just didn't. The whole, like, fakirs coming out of the It doesn't feel, like, well-thought-out, well-planned. Because I feel like the plot, or at least for me, I'm just, like, I'm... How does this serve to, like, the ultimate, like, plotline of the series? I mean, it does. You'll see that there's some themes that are coming up in this book. um, With Philippa, particularly, that sort of show the direction the whole series is going. Um... Which we can talk about. Oh, yeah, Philippa, I had some issues with her <laughs> in this book. Well, there's a big thematic journey for Philippa that if I remember the end of the series correctly, this book definitely set that up. But it's more that I just think that, well, I don't know. Let's wait and we'll see as we get into it. Maybe I'll feel differently later on. I just think that I feel like the plot itself is kind of vague 
And so because of it, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like there were a lot of random parts to this one. Like, we have the jinx, and we have the bad luck, and we have the fakirs, and then we have the Gronin and the bear, and then we have the flying carpets, and then we have the Nazis. And I'm like, there's too many parts to this story. Yeah, it was a lot. And then we just, like, wipe it all away at the end. I don't know. That's kind of how I feel about it. But anyway, let's dive in. We'll see how we feel at the end. So the twins are 14 now. So they're vaguely two years have passed since the first book. And like you said, they're each told they have to go on a quest basically to find a mundane who is worth worthy of three wishes and then justify it to a panel. So John goes with Gronin to Dumby, which is a super unlucky town in the UK. And Philippa goes to Pompeii because the world's unluckiest man lives there. Isn't it Bumby with a B? Like yes. Bumblebee? Oh. That's not what you wrote. Anyway. <laughs> they both discover it's quite hard to actually find someone who is worthy of wishes. And, like, in particular, Philippa, like, the guy she speaks to, he's, like, the most unlucky person in the world. And he basically is like, I'm happy, and the things that, like, are super unlucky, I survived all of them, so I feel like that makes me super lucky, actually. And then he gives a quote that I think is a huge theme of the whole series. He says, and if you, so if you remember this, actually, Asia, I had a little, like, three index card big size poster, like, in my college dorm with this quote on it. It may have even been on my door freshman year, but... I don't recall this. It was in my apartment, for sure, in college. And it said, life is only worth living if you have something to strive for. Yeah. And this girl that I'm not friends with anymore, but we were friends in high school. And she, like, I was reading these books my senior year of high school. And when we graduated, she, like, she was really into hand lettering. So she, like, watercolored and hand lettered that onto, like, a card for me. That's nice. So, yeah, she like looked up quotes from the series and Do you still have like, it? No. I think it got you know ripped in one move from one apartment to another and I was like, it's fine. But I knew the line was coming, so Guess she should have laminated it. I guess. You know, get me get my handy dandy laminator out. Um but anyway, yeah. Just fun fact. I had a poster with this quote on it. So we also meet Moo, who is the head of the British Secret Spy Service. And she's the one who comes to visit Nimrod because she thinks luck is out of balance in the world. And they eventually realize that she is correct. Nimrod's Tuchmeter? What? Tuchmeter? Tuchmeter, which is basically like this magical way of measuring like the luck in the world of like if it's in balance or not is actually not working correctly so there's clearly a lot of bad luck out and about and so they need to do something about that and something I noticed pretty immediately is that John meets this invisible white ape when he's in Bumby and they're talking about how in Bumby there's like all these bad things happening, and I'm like, it must be this invisible white ape, which we turns we find out he's a jinx basically, and he is probably the cause of all of the bad luck, at least in that spot. Yeah, I did not notice that. Like, I mean, obviously I noticed when John found him, but I didn't realize he was causing the bad luck. So good on you. And so, essentially, then everyone re meets up, Gronin and Nimrod and Moo and. Philippa and John and they all get back together because they're like oh we have to solve this problem of luck and we're wondering if it has to do with this thing so they're going to go down to Morocco to speak to someone well yeah like I said there's a lot of moving parts so first they interview these captured fakirs who cause a terrorist attack and this is when Nimrod figures out basically everything that's going on so these secret fakirs have been in hiding, holding on to secret information that gives the owner like a bunch of power. It's basically like the 
it's basically like the five biggest secrets of the universe they use and is an example throughout the series of Einstein's theory of relativity equal E equal MC squared. Like they use that a lot as like the reference. So basically, I guess just like secrets about the universe that could like change the world is what these figures ha- are holding on to. And they were instructed to reveal themselves when they felt that the world needed them. So someone is causing bad luck basically, so that bad things will happen to trigger these fakirs into coming out, basically, to reveal the secret so that they can gain the knowledge and hopefully use it in some way to their benefit, to gain power. Yeah, so that's basically what then causes them to go down to Morocco because there's a person there who knows about fakirs and knows about, like, these five you know, fakirs that have these secret, super secret secrets that are super important. Like I said, like, it's all kind of vague. Like, we only end up meeting one of the fakirs, the actual fakirs. Like, the book actually ends up not being that much about them anyway. But, like... And also... And also, I feel like the villain, like, is really also, like, vague. Like, we don't actually ever even meet the villain in the book. I guess, like, briefly, but, like, we don't speak with him. I was honestly, like, hoping that Iblis was going to come back somehow, like, to be, like, this was, like, a backup plan of his. Like, it just, like Charles said, it feels very vague, and also just, again, like, it just feels like it has nothing to do with the rest of the story that we've read so far. Like we said, this is, what, the sixth book of the series, and I just feel like this was very different from all of the other books. And I feel like, yeah, it's not connecting back to the characters like i think that's one of the big things is like the parents aren't involved anymore and i know that layla Layla has renounced her jinn power so we did get confirmation of that that like layla fully gave up her power i guess she literally is not a jinn anymore but they don't even mention the parents they don't don't even speak to their parents throughout this whole journey that they're taking they don't even talk to their parents like again they act like i guess like I don't know, maybe, I don't remember, remember when this was written, but I'm assuming there were cell phones that existed. Like, I don't know, there's just, like, no communication at all with their parents for the whole book, and, like, they're in danger constantly, and it just seems, like, again, just very different from even the last book. Like, it's just weird. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I, um, you know, like, in the last book, you know, Mr. Vodia Noy, we met him earlier on. We met him in, like, the second book, and he, like, was a minor character, minor character, and then he was a big character in the fifth book. And, like, Zadie, we met her in the second book, but, like, then she became a main character in this one. And Dybbuk, obviously, we knew. And, um, McCreeby, we knew. Like, I'm not saying that you have to use the same characters, but, like, this book felt like quite a departure. Except, I guess, that we get the return of Mr. Rakshasas. But, like, the plot doesn't really, like... It, it un- felt like a side plot as opposed to, like, going along the main plot. Because, I mean, basically, this, I mean, what it turns out to be, like, it's like a lapse in their timeline, basically, is what it yes. kind of turns out to be. So it's kind of like their timeline, like, there's a little branch off, like, I'm thinking of Loki, like, the series, how that was, like, a whole thing. Like, this is a timeline that ends up not actually being relevant to their lives because they time travel at the end and, like, everything that happened essentially doesn't exist anymore. Correct. So that's kind of why... And maybe that's why... Maybe that's why it is so disconnected from the rest of the characters because it would be way more complicated for not only for, like, the main twins, Nimrod and Gronin to forget, but for, like, like you said, all those other, like, still named characters and known characters, but, like, more minor characters for their lives to also be affected by this. I guess. I just... Yeah, I, I I personally think that this book really is a departure from the first five. And if I remember the next one correctly, I felt similarly about the next one. We'll have to see if I, like, when we read it, and also, like, what you think, um, that I feel like the things that you and I are remarking on I think are going to be similar in the next book and it's going 
and they're frustrating me in this one. Um, like the big arc of this book is like, you think it's going to be about the fakirs, but then not really. Because it's kind of about, like, I guess it's about, like... Okay, back up. I didn't think it was going to be about the Fakirs. I thought it was going to be about Philippa and John finding somebody worthy of three wishes. What that ends up just being, like, a very tiny plot line in the first, like, two chapters. And then all of a sudden, we have a second bigger plot line. Which, like you said, that doesn't even end up being ultimately the plot either. That's what I mean. I'm like, well, I'm just saying, like, the title of the book is The Five Fakirs of Fazabad. We meet one of them. And... Then we basically, like, dispose of him at the end. I don't know. So, like, you know, a big part of this book ends up about being, like, grown and, you know, getting attacked by a bear. So, anyway. Yeah, I I think we should, yeah, keep going and we'll cover it as we go. But, so I had brought up the fakirs, at least. I think, weren't these, like, fake fakirs that they said were, like... In yeah, the, the ones that they that Moo arrested, they were fake fakirs, but it basically like confirms that they were being hired by someone to cause chaos, which causes yeah. Nimrod to think the real fakirs might intervene. Which we're trying again, we're trying to keep the real fakirs underground because we don't want their secrets out. Which just just had to point out, they said that these fakirs were buried alive and somehow they're just able to stay alive for thousands of years. So that's something we also had to swallow. Okay, a couple hundred years. Still still way longer than if you were buried alive, you'd die from suffocating. Anyway, this is I brought up the fake fakirs, not for the plot, because of the humor, because we get this great line from Moo, which is in response to one of the fakirs regurgitating a live cockroach. And she says, really? What a revolting person. And then proceeds to leave the room. And I don't know. I just, again... It's the one-liners for me in this series. It's the only thing keeping me interested, honestly, is the humor. Okay. I mean, I guess if that... I, I didn't think that that was particularly funny, but... You didn't think it was funny? I don't know. It just reminds me of, like, I don't know, just, like, I can imagine the sass. Like, really? That's true. What a revolting person. That, like, that's what... It's just, like, that kind of, like, sar- sarcasm, like one-liners that I feel like, I don't know, it's my kind of humor at least. I take your point. So then they head to Morocco to speak to someone about the fakirs and get more information. And they also need a flying carpet because if we remember from the last book, they can't fly on whirlwinds anymore because of global warming. So of course this is an opportunity for us to get flying carpets in this story. That's obviously has to happen. And... I guess the kids are starting to feel a little spoiled because obviously as Jin, they like are like they talk about how Jin usually are rich and everything because obviously you can just make money. So like they are not used to like not being in like really nice places and staying at really nice hotels and like having luxurious experiences. So Nimrod decides all of a sudden again, just totally random. Like to me, this didn't really make sense, but he wants to teach them a lesson. So he decides that he wants to make them stay in the worst hotel in the world while they're in Morocco. And I just felt like it was pretty extreme because again, totally random. John and Philippa didn't do anything. I feel like to warrant this, like they weren't acting like bratty or anything. They just kind of commented, I think on how, like I think John maybe says something about how he's looking forward to staying in a nice hotel because, you know, that's the only experience they've ever had. So why would he not be thinking, you know, you're going to hotel, it's going to be nice. Doesn't say anything, like, obnoxious. And Nimrod's like, no, we're going to stay in this terrible hotel that, like, we're going to have to walk up to the 100th floor and you have to carry your own bags and there's no tile in the bathtub. So when you take a shower, it's going to turn to mud. So just this whole thing. But at least, you know, we got that world building from book one that we know that John and Philippa won't mind walking up a hundred floors of stairs since they do that all the time in New York City because of their claustrophobia. That's what I'm I took glad. away from that whole experience. Yeah, again, it's like a little drastic. And like, I feel like we spend a little too long on this. Like, they're in, they're spoiled. So therefore, we need to unspoil them in this hotel. Like, I don't know. Like, that feels like... It just seemed unwarranted, again. Like, I could have seen if John and Philippa had, like, done something 
that, like, was, like, they were acting like spoiled brats, but they literally did nothing. Like, they were just like, oh, we're going on another adventure, you know, to save the world. At least we'll stay in a nice hotel. And he's like, just kidding. You guys don't deserve to stay in a nice hotel because you do that all the time. Well, also, like, he could have just said, you guys are acting very spoiled. And if you don't, like, recognize that you're lucky and that you, like, are rich, you know, like... But, like, it felt a little drastic to go from, like... Them saying, thank God we get to stay in a hotel, to him being like, <laughs> yeah. now you have to walk up a hundred stairs. Like, but like I said, at least also, the... And then it's, like, it's fixed in one day. I don't even think they sleep there, because they go out right away, and they get their magic carpet, and they fly up to the hundredth floor, and then they just take their stuff. And I was like, they didn't even learn a lesson out of this. And then later we're no, like... again, it like, was totally random. I think we were just supposed to get, like, grown and obviously struggling up the stairs, because again... At least the character traits were consistent. The kids did not complain about the flights of stairs. They honestly said nothing. There was no description of them being out of breath. Because, again, they walk up 70 flights of stairs every day of their lives. Every day of their every day of their life in New York City because they don't like elevators. So this is the norm for them. But, yes, exactly. I don't, they don't even spend the night there. It's literally just the idea of this bad hotel, and they don't even do it. So just random. Again, what I kind of mean, like, there's a lot going on in this book, but that doesn't feel... And maybe there were things like this in the other books, too. But I felt like in this book, it felt like everything kind of was like, we're going to spend two chapters on this and then move on. And I was like, this is chaos. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be filler, I feel like, in a plot. But your whole plot can't be filler. Or at least it can't feel that way. And it, it feels more like they're disconnected, too. Like, it would have been one thing, again... If, like, there was a big theme in this book of Philippa and John learning humility. Nope. It was just one episode of them being told, <laughs> take th- don't take things for granted. And they were like, okay, lesson received. Let's move on. So. So, maybe I'm being too critical. But that's, like, the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, I don't know. Wow, for once, Charles is the angry one anyway. who's hating on the book. And I'm sitting here like... Oh, it's not that bad. I'm not angry or hating on the book, but I think that, like, I had thoughts going into this episode and things that you're saying, even if they're not deal breakers for you, like, they're making me, also they're making me remember things about the next book. I don't actually remember, like, what the plot is at all, but, like, for example, we just talked about the parents, and, like, if I remember correctly, the parents aren't even in the next book. Again. And again... Not saying that's going to be a deal breaker, but like the way we're it feeling about this odd. one, right? It does seem odd if it's the last series, last book in the series, and their parents aren't in it when the parents have been pretty prominent throughout the entire series. And that's the thing. That's I'm like, the, pre- the parents are quite prominent characters. Like, do like, you know, like, if these books were written like later or were they all like kind of written? And that would be an interesting thing to look up. I will look that up um, for next week because. Again, I feel like I feel like the first four came out together and then the last three, but maybe I'm wrong. Um Well, this one definitely feels very different from the last book. That's and that's kind of what like I remember the first four being out and then I remember buying the fifth one myself when it came out. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there was a big time gap. It just means yeah. I mean unless that there like, could have been a there could have been a time unless, gap between the 5th and the 6th. Yeah, unless, like, his intent was, you know, after Layla, like, decides she doesn't want to be a djinn anymore, she's like, well, I'm not speaking to my children anymore because they're djinn, and I don't speak to my brother anymore because they're djinn, and, like, their whole lives are basically being djinn and, like, saving the world. So, therefore, they can't have a relationship, at least in this story, like, from this point of view in the story. I did just look it up, and I was right that the time gap actually happens between the fourth and the fifth, between Day of the Jinn Warriors and Eye of the Forest. So I probably was reading those as they came out, actually. No, yeah, so I'm thinking then then maybe his intent was, it's like this idea of, I mean, obviously after the trauma of what happens in the last book with Layla gone and her husband basically being like, if you don't give up being a djinn, I can't be married to you anymore. She's kind of like, she wants to have nothing to do with the djinn world at all. And so 
It just made me feel which they kind of said at the beginning. Which of the they book. did say, but it, again, their children are children and they're in danger, and it does just feel weird. Which I guess I'll at least give for this book because again, they're mentioned at the beginning. Then they go on all the adventures, which all is gin related. So obviously, I guess they're not talking to their mom about that. And then at the end of the book, it's reset to the first chapter where it's taking place, where obviously time has been altered, so the things won't happen. It'll be slightly changed, and then that's the end of the book. But how you're saying, if you think that they're not mentioned in the next book, I think that would be odd. I think that would be odd for the last book in the series for the parents like to not even have any lines, like anything. I can't remember. We'll have to see when we get there. But okay. Anyway, we're getting a little. But anyway, let's let's keep going yes. with the plot. So, like Charles said, they end up getting the magic carpets, and they decide to go to speak to Mr. Burton, who knows a lot about the Fakirs, to get some more information. And so then they decide to split up again. Phil and Moo are going back to Bumby to protect the Fakir Fezabah that they're like 99% sure is there. Then Nimrod is going to go to Jerusalem, because I guess there's info there. Again, that was a completely brief, a non-existent plot line. John then decides that he has to find Mr. Rixashas. So he asks Mr. Burton if he can help him find him in the great beyond. And they discover that Mr. Rakshasas is now reincarnated as a wolf in Yellowstone National Park. Because again, there wasn't enough chaos in this book. Yeah, that was super random. And I feel like to make up for in the last book, them mainly being together... He was like, everybody has to go on three journeys on their own in this book to, like, make up for that. Because that's what it felt like. I was like, why is everybody going separately? And why are they all having to go to multiple places separately? Like, just a huge departure from the last book. But here's where John failed me. Because so far, I will say, I feel like I've I've mentioned in previous episodes that I feel like I've related to John. I feel like he's really good at calling people out on, like... On just like not being with it, like so. I just have enjoyed John's character honestly more than Philippa's, but he was an idiot in this book, particularly. But you know what else is new? Men sometimes just make terrible decisions. But why don't you tell us more? So John is talking to Mr. Burton. He goes to him by himself, and Mr. Burton explains how he can basically like. You can see the past and future like in an ink dot, basically, which this is how they discover that Mr. Rock, Mr. Rakshasas is a wolf is because John looks into the past and is able to see that he's been reincarnated. And then Mr. Burton's like, well, you can also look at the future. And he's like, but that's actually like the worst thing you could possibly do, because if you see the future, obviously you're going to want to try to do something to change it, which will just make whatever happened will make whatever you saw like happen. But of course, John is like, yes, please show me the future anyway. And of course, he is upset by what he sees. So just very stupid. And in addition to that, we have Gronin also not being very smart because basically his carelessness, he follows John to the Yellowstone National Park to find John. And he's like cooking sausages in bear country. So obviously he's going to get attacked by a bear. But basically, John's vision of the future is his hands holding Nimrod has like this red coat. He sees Nimrod's red coat and John's hands are like covered in blood. So he thinks that he's going to kill Nimrod in some way, like, and it's going to be his fault, which one, I mean, this reminds me of the Scumble books about how like the coat, like we didn't see exactly whose hands, like we don't, we just saw the coat. We didn't see who was in the coat. So... There's no way of knowing that's for sure Nimrod. It could just be someone in Nimrod's coat. Which it turns out it's Gronin because Nimrod gives Gronin his coat. And basically, John's vision ends up being of Gronin wearing Nimrod's coat. And he's bloody after being mauled by a grizzly bear. And this means that after seeing this vision, John decides to go to Yellowstone to find Mr. Rakshasas as a wolf to get advice on what to do about seeing this vision. But by doing that and leaving the group behind, because again, everyone else, Philippa, Nimrod, all the people they're with, he just left without saying anything, which already not smart. Nimrod is obviously worried about him. So he sends Gronin alone, which is a terrible idea, to find him. 
So by John running away, causes Gronin to follow him, which causes Gronin to be stupid and attract bears for a bear to attack him and basically gravely injure and or kill, because at this point we don't know what's going to happen. So, like, if John wouldn't have run away after seeing that vision, that might not have happened, which is, again, why Mr. Burton told him you shouldn't look in the future because obviously you're going to act on it, which is just going to make that vision you saw, like, become real. Correct. It's just, yeah. And, like, uh, like I mean, again, even John's initial re- response to the vision, he's like, I killed Nimrod? I'm like, bro... There's no reason for you to think that. Like, maybe you both got attacked, and that's why you had blood on your hands. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It was it was stupid from the start, but it we, like we ran into the classic like fortune telling paradigm of like you can see the future, but you don't necessarily know what it means. So you know, again, we needed that element in here too. So as we mentioned, Mister Rectasis is now reincarnated as a wolf. So he and John, because John can like go into his body, obviously, and they can speak. And he's like, we have to go to Shangri-La, which is in Tibet, to save Gronin. Like, if we cryo-freeze his body, we might be able to stop his soul from going too far, and then we can save him. At the same time, Nimrod and Philippa also decide they're going to go to Shangri-La to fix the imbalance of luck. So pretty quickly, we're going to reconvene the converted those plot lines. And as a little side, another random side plot line... While they're on their way, Nimrod gets concussed by a pelican flying into their magic carpet and nailing him on the head, basically because, I guess in this world, flying carpets are basically, like, flat, like, and stiff, and so the, and it's like, I guess the color of the blue, the birds mistook it for water, so you obviously pelicans, like, dive into the water to, like, eat fish, so they thought it was water, and they're, like, slamming their bodies, breaking their necks. I mean, honestly, it sounded like a terrible sight to see. Like, I don't need to be there for that. That sounded awful. But one of the pelicans doesn't make it onto the carpet. It just rams itself into Nimrod. And so, obviously, <laughs> he gets a pretty bad concussion. But then all of a sudden, be- after having this concussion, now he's, like, acting evil. Like, he has a terrible personality for whatever reason. Totally random. (laughs) And he's so rude that Moo, which, you know, is our British spy, he's so rude to her that she ends up smacking him across the head with her bag, with, like, her laptop in it. And this must give him a second concussion so that now this evil personality has disappeared. And, again, just another, like, what did that have to do with the story? That was so random. And, like, while it was happening, I was thinking, I was, like, trying to, like, predict, like, the what the ending could be. And, like, Nimrod had mentioned that there was this bad djinn named, like, Jurgis or whatever that they were worried could be, like, trying to, like, make the bad luck. So I was, like, maybe he, like possess Nimrod and this is why this happened but I was like that doesn't really make sense but I'm like trying to figure it out but like he just gets hit on the head again and he's okay like what what was the point of that like I just don't understand that's how I felt I was like he's violent he's rude to Phil he wants to brutally punish people he gets hit on the head and he goes back to being normal and I was like what was that for because I was like again it would be one thing I that's what I thought too I was like maybe he's like Someone has taken advantage, like, possession of him or something like that. But no, it was literally just, he was being annoying. And then, you know, he just needed to be reconcussed to fix it. And I'm like, that was not a satisfying plot line, like, at all. Yeah, that made no sense. I didn't understand at all. Yeah, which I guess, you know, this is just the theme of the book, randomness. How much randomness can we throw in? I mean, we haven't even talked about the Nazi slut yet, so. <laughs> well, we can right now. So when John gets to Shangri-La, he and the wolf, Mr. Rakshasas, they fly into Shangri-La, which again, you have to tell us all like, how, know where it is and have the mindset. And then they fly in and it turns out there are Nazis there who it's 70 years after World War II and it's only been 70 weeks for the Nazis. So they think that it's still 1945. But actually, we're in the freaking present. 
Maybe it's even 37. No, I don't even think it was the end of the war. Like, it was, like, it was early in the war. I and think it was before the war that they were sent there, like, in preparations, I feel like. Oh, yes, because they hadn't heard of the war they yet. They hadn't even they were heard just... of the war. There was, because he, when John talks to them, he's like, what about the second world war, or the second big war? And he's like, there, there was no second war, just the first one. So it was before yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. I'm lying to you. I'm lying. Yes, it was literally that they, yes, that they, they were just, like, national socialists about, you know, Nazis, and they were going to eventually, like, be in the war. So it's 70 weeks for them that they've been, like, looking for Shangri-La, but it's only been, but it's an actual 70 years. So that's crazy. And then they decide they're going to, they have this gin, so they're going to take him back to give to Hitler, and then they all leave and, and then, then we they get all a die horror because movie. they we all get a age. horror movie moment where they rapidly age and turn into skeletons right before John's eyes, and he almost dies multiple times. And then he falls off the mountain, and they have, to, and then Nimrod catches him with the magic carpet. Like I'm telling no you, lie. this was a fever dream. The whole thing was a fever dream. Like I can't <laughs> even imagine. Like I mean, I guess that's kind of the vibe of the book, and then it ends up being ha- happening at the end. But I'm like not even kidding. When the Nazis came out, I literally was like, what? What are we reading? This is why it took me so long to read this book. Because, like, the Nazis came out, and I was like, where where did Nazis come from? Like, I thought it was going to be, like, maybe, like, present-day Nazis who'd just been, like, hiding. Like, they'd been in hiding this whole time. But this is, yeah, just absolute insanity. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was random. So, but, okay, we reconnect John and Nimrod and Rixot. Like, everyone is now together. And they're, like, outside of Shangri-La, just, like, chilling. Everyone's together. Which, something we also, I don't know if we mentioned this, but Mr. Burton used to be the butler for Mr. Rakshasas. And, again, Rakshasas is a wolf now. So, when Rakshasas sees Mr. Burton and they, like, kind of reconvene, he immediately starts growling at him. Which, you know, in my head I was like, red flag, red flag. That is a huge red flag. But everyone else is like, well, maybe he doesn't recognize you. Because, like, John's like, well, he didn't recognize me at first until I went into my like, spirit body, but I was like, well, he didn't seem to have that issue with anybody else that was there right now because Nimrod's there, Philip is there, and he immediately recognizes them because, I mean, also, like, that just, that explanation made no sense because, obviously, when John went to go see him, Mr. Rakshasa's, like, memories weren't fully there, and by John talking to them, they were unlocked, so obviously he's going to remember everybody now, so obviously him growling at Mr. Burton means that there was something wrong but no everyone's like all oh, it's all fine and dandy and instead of you know maybe trying to enter mr rakshas's wolf body to like get some answers on why he was growling at him they're like let's have mr burton make tea for us and i'm like what so i was getting ready for like him to drug them or something because clearly he had some other kind of motive and like had an evil purpose i did not notice that like at all like i like when rakshas sparked to him i was like okay i don't care but i'd kind of at that point forgotten he was his like butler of 10 years but it turns out you were wrong he didn't get they didn't get poisoned it was all nimrod's trick to expose him because british people don't drink their black tea with cream because that's a real conversation that we had to have in this book yeah, they were like, it has to be, or I think, didn't he put it with lemon? And they're like, it has, has to I don't be know. with lemon. Whatever the argument was, he, he did served it. it with cream. British people don't drink, well, British people can drink tea however they freaking please. But I don't know, but whatever he did, he did it wrong. So that's how, that's how Nimrod knew that he wasn't actually Mr. Burton because he's like, obviously, an English butler would never make that mistake on like whatever was wrong with the tea. And so I was right in the sense of that bad gin we like briefly mentioned before, Jurgis or whatever, he was the one using Mr. Burton's body. And this. Well, again, he was he in unsus- like, like, so he had like taken possession of Mr. Burton and he had like, it was just, he was not a fulfilling villain because honestly, we didn't meet him. And then he immediately gets taken out. Also, like, who is that? Who is that? Like, we well, the thing is, the is. only thing we know about him is that he has a vendetta against Nimrod because earlier on in the book, John, 
Nimrod just happens to mention that he beat his dad, Georges' his daddy, in a gin duel. Like, like I'm not even kidding. I think if it would have been like one of Iblis's kids or something, I would have like felt a little bit better about it. Like, whereas to make up this like, oh, he wants revenge off of this made up plot that like we've never talked about before. You got no context on that except in passing comments. Like, just doesn't feel fulfilling. Like, it doesn't feel fulfilling at all. And then he's not even a good villain because Nimrod immediately, like, traps him and he's done. And I'm like... Yeah, he's immediately defeated. There's no fight. There's nothing. Yeah, I... I... Yeah, it... (laughs) See, you're making me more angry as we talk about it. Because I still feel like I overall, like, the plot was, like, fine. Like, I still, like, enjoyed some of it. But it is just, like, a little frustrating. Because, like you said, I mean, everything that basically happens, I mean, half of it doesn't make sense. And then at the end, everything is, like, a race. Well, that's a perfect segue to the end. So, why don't let me finish it. So, in the end, they do go into Shangri-La where, like, everybody speaks, like, through their mind instead of out loud. Okay. And we find out that Mr. Rakshasas, who's a wolf, is actually this high llama which okay and a spiritual leader okay totally random and he and Nimrod decide that you know the only way to solve all of their problems is that they will go back in time and basically there's like a like a black hole like time wormhole loop on this mandala yeah there's a mandala and then it becomes a wormhole and takes them back so that they're able to go back in time, which means, though, that obviously, like we said, they've essentially, this timeline, this branch of timeline that branched off will be cut off. So they won't remember anything that happened in the entire book that we just read. Yep. So from when they were, like, we were basically going back to when they were first given that quest to find somebody with who's willing, who's... Worthy of the wishes. And they lit- we literally get the same chapter again, wishes. but they keep having flashes of deja vu. Because they've actually lived this, but it's been undone. But that's literally how the book ends, is the first chapter of the book again with Deja Vu. Which, one, so, I think... I think. What it, did you... Th- I don't know, you're going to say, what did you think? So, one, I'll say, I did think it was interesting. And that's not interesting, like, necessarily in a good or bad way, just interesting. Just absolutely not what I was expecting for this book, especially going along. Like, that is definitely not what I saw happening in the end. Like, it just... First of all, didn't think time travel was going to be a thing in this uh, book, but I guess anything's possible with magic. And I, like I said, like I said from the beginning, I definitely like, I don't hate it, but I also definitely don't like it, especially because it just makes the book seem kind of pointless towards the overarching plot. And like you mentioned before, how now they don't get closure on what happens to Mr. Rakshashas because they won't remember everything with him being a wolf and him being the high llama, whatever. Like, they don't get any of that. So, basically, they just think that his spirit was, you know, sucked up back at the Met Museum or whatever, and then they're just assuming he died. But, like, that's it. They don't they don't know anything else about him, and they never will. So, that is kind of disappointing. But something that you just made me think of, because we didn't really talk about Philippa, but how you're saying if it's going to matter for the next book... Throughout this book, Philippa has been feeling like the power of being a djinn, I think, is, like, too much. And, like, she's feeling, like, this pressure, basically because a couple times she's had to, like, bad people, basically. She's, like, turned them into animals like her mother has done in the past. And she said, like, it doesn't make her feel good that, like, she has that power to just, in a moment of anger, like, turn someone into an animal, especially, like, one of the bad, like, the bad guys, she turns into birds, and they immediately get, like, attacked by ferrets, so likely they die. So she just feels like she's kind of killing people. And I'll just say, personally, I didn't like this kind of character growth, because to me, it just makes her seem, like, very soft. Every instance that she's used her Jin power, like, in that way, has always against him has been against people who are actively trying to harm her. So essentially, it's self-defense. Like, basically, they're literally saying, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to shoot you, I'm going to punch you in the face, and she's like, I feel bad that I turned them into an animal. Like, I don't know, I just... That's just not... I... 
So I wanted to talk about this because I wanted to circle back to it in case you didn't bring it up, but I'm glad you did. Yes, so that's what I was talking about. This character growth for Philippa, like she also changes her focus word halfway through the oh book. Oh my gosh, I hated to that. To make it longer. So that it takes so her eight seconds to say it. Yeah, which again is stupid because she's like, if I have a longer, maybe I'll stop myself from being impulsive. And I'm like, that's literally not how the focus word works, Philippa. Like once it's part of you, it's just your trigger. Like it's not. Well, and also it immediately like, backfires on her because then when she's in trouble, she realizes that obviously her magic won't happen as fast, like in an emergency, because it takes her eight seconds to say the focus word. Whereas obviously, like if you're being attacked or you need to help somebody, you need to be able to make a decision in a split second. And and like I understand her intellectual argument of like she doesn't like to have this gross power. But I'm like, like you said, one, she's not using it for cruel fatigue. She's like kind of just like doing the thing. But two, I it's a big leap for me personally to go from I don't want to be like my mom and transform everyone that's in my way into animals to be like, maybe I'm not, I don't want to be a djinn. Like, I feel like there's an in-between of like, maybe I could find a different way of stopping people who are attacking me. Like, well, yeah, like, let's get a little bit more creative. Put them behind bars. Yeah. Maybe I could, maybe I could turn them into animals for now and then turn it back, like release them into the wild and then turn them back into humans. No, yeah, it's definitely, like, like just the, not creative. And that's why I'm saying, like, Jesus seems, like, not... Well, especially because Philippa is pretty much, like, just... It's actually intellectually lazy. Like, it's kind of stupid to be, like... Yeah! There's only one solution that this... And this power is too much for me. I'm, like, you could do any... Like, Nimrod is very powerful, and we barely see him turn anyone into an animal. Like, that's just something her mom does. But Philippa could change that. Like, she could do something else if she wanted. Well, and that's why I'm saying, too, especially since throughout this series so far... Philippa has been described as like the more clever one between her and John. And like, she's clearly like not showing her intelligence here. We're like, you just said, why does it have to be when a bad person's attacking you that you have to turn them into an animal? There's so many other options that could be, you know, less cruel in your eyes. Or the fact is, even if you turn something into an animal, why can you not turn them back into a human at some point? Once you've maybe secured them in like, like put them in a secure location. Like it's just not, like, I just don't understand, and that's where, like, again, ultimately, between the two twins, I do, at this point, still like John more, because at least to me, I mean, he made very stupid decisions this book, but overall, I mean, especially what seems to be hinted at with Philippa's character, that maybe, you know, she's going to follow in her mother's footsteps and decide that she does not want to be a djinn at all, because ultimately, to me, that sounds less like oh, my power is evil. It's just that she can't handle the responsibility of having that power, which I think is unfortunate when she's been described as being so intelligent that she can't, you know, take a second and, like, think of other solutions before just, like, giving up, essentially. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Like, I I didn't like this the first time I read it. I didn't like it this time. And I'm like, I again, I don't know exactly what happens in the next book, but I do know that this is a continuation in the next one. That, like, that, that these conversations she's having with herself are going to continue. And even if it doesn't, even if I'm wrong, like, just her response in this book was kind of stupid. She's like, I made these budgies, like, the birds, as a gift, and they got attacked by ferrets. And, like, one, that's not your fault. And two, just turn them back into people. Like, it was, I don't know, to me, I was like, that's just so silly. Like... But I guess I would say that at least for this one, that idea, like, I I would say it's not completely out of left field for her, because, like, I'm remembering, like, when she went to get Dybbuk, her response to that I also very highly disagreed with. Like, she does seem, like, too soft. Like, she has no backbone in the sense of I feel like she doesn't ever want to be at risk of doing anything wrong ever. And, like, the fact is to be, like, a hero figure, sometimes you have to do things that are, like, not 100% good, I guess. Like, if it's justified. And that's why, like, you use your powers to, like, fight evil. Like, I don't know. It just And it just seems like even doing that, like, makes her feel, like, guilty. Like, she has this guilt, I feel like, about the power. Well, it's the same thing that you felt when she gave up the magic shoes at the end of the last book. I mean, the f- oh my god, the magic shoes. That but was, it's basically yes, the same exactly, thing. Like, she's saying. like, I don't know if I want this responsibility. She can't handle it. 
she doesn't want the responsibility, basically, which, you know what? If you can't handle it, you should give it to somebody else because... So that's the vibe I'm getting from her. Whereas, but then for John for this book, I mean, basically why this timeline is ruined is because of what he did, which I guess you can, at least his argument is you can, you know, say that, you know, Jurgis, who is, you know, possessing Mr. Burton, like maybe kind of tried to persuade him into that, even though not really like John made his clearly made his own decision. So, I mean, John's basically the reason that they had to go back in time anyway, because ultimately if Gronin wouldn't have been hurt, they wouldn't have had to go back. Like the main reason that they went back in time for it not to like exist that way was because Gronin was going to die. Well, that's, that feels like a good place to end because that is kind of the end of this book. So I'll be interested to see how you feel and how I feel when we read the next one, like what our experience is. Because, again, it's not that I'm dislike, you know, it's not like I'm like, oh, I read this book. And I don't like the series. I just feel like this one is markedly different than the other ones. And I just, you know, that's, you know, what we do as we analyze the book. So I can't and I think- also say last thing I'll say is it just I guess is unfortunate because I feel like the characters, which I guess ultimately now in their timeline, this section doesn't exist. But I feel like we got a lot of steps back on their character growth. Like, I feel like. For both the twins, like our main characters, I feel like they both, like John with his stupidity, Philippa not having a backbone and feeling like very unsure with her power. So, I mean, the fact that this was a race was probably good for them because they just took a lot of steps back, I feel like. So hopefully they'll be able to move forward, which again is why I guess it was just odd because as you're approaching the end of the story of the series, you know, you're expecting your characters to just be like getting better and growing more into themselves. Whereas I feel like this was like, they felt very unsure of themselves. Yes. Or like just, it just felt like not them. Like I feel like, which I guess this idea of it's like an alternate version of them. I don't know. Well, we shall see when we read the next book. I think that's a good place to end it. So next week we're going to read the seventh and final book, which is the grave robbers of Genghis Khan long titles um and then we'll be done so we're gonna read the whole book for next week super long reading but you know whatever then we're gonna be reading the next series was gonna be the uglies series by scott westerfield and we will go back to dividing those because those books they there are fewer of them so we'll get you know we just weren't going to spend 14 weeks on the children of the lamp so you know which thank goodness we did not because that would have been too much even though we've suffered. I just think, yeah, it's been hard to do the reading. Better to suffer for seven weeks than for 14. That would have been way too I guess long. It, it's also just like kind of when the readings, also when these books, well, the plot, when the books are super plot heavy, like the first, ep- the first episode always ends up being a little weird because, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is, we're going to be dividing the uglies because there's only four books. So you can get your hands on a copy of the first book, Uglies. Because we're going to read that the week after we read Genghis Khan. And as always, if you have any predictions, theories, or questions, remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. Just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at joinnerdparty or on Instagram at thenerdparty or facebook.com slash thenerdparty. And to find me, I'm at asiabonia on TikTok and at asia.bonia on Instagram. And I'm at seashells on Instagram. And if you enjoy our show, make sure you rate and review it. Share it with your friends, of course. Check out the other podcasts we have with on the Nerd Party Network and subscribe to our show so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe and have a good one. We'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.